So this morning's reading comes from the book of Acts in the New Testament, chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be. Have music stand, we'll travel. <laughs> Thanks, Kerry. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for your word. And as we uh, continue this journey through Acts, Lord, help us to learn from the early church more about you, more about ourselves, um, and help us to hear your voice this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, as um, Andy's just told us, we are um, looking through um, the, uh, well, not a letter, the book of Acts, and I've decided to do a very bright PowerPoint this morning, so hopefully that um, in inspires you um, as we think about uh, this uh, book and these words from Acts 2 this morning. So, the last few weeks, we've thought about um, Pentecost, and last week, we thought about the, the second part of Peter's sermon. And over the coming weeks, we're going to discover more about the early church in Acts uh, as we journey through it. There are, in Acts, there are some incredible stories. There are some challenging stories, and all of which can help us. They can help us as God's church. And at the end of Acts 2, the reading that we just heard, um, we have this first description, really, of a Holy Spirit-filled church. A church which, as we heard last week, suddenly has 3,000 new members. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah, it would be good. I don't quite know where we'd put them all. Um, it would be a little daunting as well. But that's, that's the nature of what had happened. 3,000 people added to their number. So what we see here in this, uh, these verses, these very few verses, is a description of a Holy Spirit-filled church. The church empowered, the church filled, the church equipped by God's Spirit. And so what does a Holy Spirit-filled church look like? What does it look like in 2022? Or what could it look like in 2022? What if we found ourselves next week with 3,000 new members. What would we want those people, what would we want each person to know about what it means to be part of a spirit-filled church? Imagine 
what that would be like. Well, after the events of that first Pentecost and, and all the excitement that had gone on, what happened next? Well, they went to church. Actually, they became church rather than went. It hadn't really, you know, we, we don't really get them. It's not called church until a bit later on. And, of course, there will have been some that will have, of those 3,000 that will have gone back to their home countries. But a lot will have stayed in Jerusalem. And obviously here we, we have a description of what happened in Jerusalem. And the first thing to highlight in this, uh, these words from Acts is that all the people are described as being devoted. Devoted. Devoting themselves, which of course means to give your all to something. To be full of love for something, not to be half-hearted. I, it's really sad, I know, but I can't help thinking about the song Hopelessly Devoted to You at this point. I know it's really cheesy, but that's the way my brain works. But devotion, well, it's giving your all. It's singing a constant love song to Jesus, if that image helps you this morning. And I wonder whether that's a challenge for us in today's world. Are we devoted? Are you devoted maybe the question should be what are you devoted to or who are you devoted to who gets your devotion and so there's four things that I want to bring out of this passage this morning about what a spirit-filled church looks like and what a spirit-filled church is devoted to so the first thing to say is that a spirit-filled church is devoted to the word Actually, in this passage, in Acts, it says, to the apostles' teaching. Uh, suddenly, 3,000 people, as we know, have been added to their number and, and more over the coming days and weeks and months and years. And, and one writer says it must have been like the apostles suddenly setting up a school for 3,000 people to attend kindergarten. Imagine doing that. Any of your teachers are going, oh, no. <laughs> and so teaching was vital the apostles were teaching the words of Jesus, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And of course, those words have provided us with so much of the New Testament. And of course, that's how we take it now. Uh, th this uh, devotion to the teaching is, of course, a devotion of the teaching of God's Word, of the Bible, of Scripture. And I have to admit that when... I read these words at times, and I, I feel a bit embarrassed. I feel embarrassed about my lack of devotion. How often do I find myself playing Wordle instead of being devoted to the Word? Anyone else in that position? You get up in the morning, oh, let's see what today's Wordle is. If you're not sure what that's about, ignore me. <laughs> Don't get into it. Um, instead of going, okay, what does God say to me in his Word? this morning how many of us read God's word frequently how many don't read God's word or the Bible outside a church service it's really important that we spend time learning together learning from one another and of course we're all different in this aren't we, we we're, we're, uh, we've got different pressures on our time but let's pray for a growth in passion and devotion to God's word for ourselves and, of course, amongst his people. 
And I, I don't know whether you're like this, but I certainly know from experience that devotion grows the more I spend time doing something. So we're going to become more devoted to God's word the more we read it. But notice also that the apostles don't just teach. They perform signs and wonders as well. You know, it wasn't one or the other. It wasn't that some did the teaching and others did the signs. It was both. Both, and of course, both taught something and teach something of who God is. Um, the great preacher and teacher, um, John Stott, says this, the Spirit of God leads the people to the Word of God. It's a good line, isn't it? The Spirit of God leads the people to the Word of God. How often have you heard a story about God at work and it has led you to his Word? If you've got a story of how God has been at work, I would love to hear it. Do let me know. Or talk about those stories amongst yourselves. But as you do so, allow them to show you to God's word and what God is saying to you through those. So how are you devoted to God's word? How are you reading it? Are you part of a small group? It's a good thing to do if you're not. Of course, if you want any advice on what's out there, we'd love to chat to you and give you advice on that. If you need material, there's loads out there. So do come and chat. So a spirit-filled church is devoted to the word. Secondly, a spirit-filled church is devoted to one another. We read in this passage that they were devoted to fellowship, to the common life, that they had everything in common and were together. They met together every day. Can you imagine that? So they were devoted to fellowship, and I don't know about you, but when I hear the word fellowship, I think of it as a little bit of a churchy word, um, and I have to admit it makes me think of chi uh, um, turquoise china cups and quiche. That might just be me. I'm sorry if it doesn't do that for you. Um, but, but when we look at the Greek word translated here as fellowship, uh, which if you're interested is the word koinonia, if we look at it elsewhere in Scripture... We find it translated as sharing, as participation, as contribution. And so actually this word we have as fellowship is about generosity. And in the light of these verses in Acts 2, we see it being something that's alive, something that is active, something that is beautiful. Koinonia, fellowship, is about being part of the body of Christ to such an extent that it impacts every aspect of our lives. That's what it means to be devoted to one another. Just for a moment, I want to encourage you to think back to the start of the pandemic. You might not want to do that, but just think back to what it was like. Remind yourselves. During the pandemic, the church was scattered, weren't we? Whatever church we were part of, we were scattered. We did somehow find ways to have fellowship with one another due to the incredible technology that we have. But I don't know about you, but I found it so hard to be physically away, apart from other people, particularly because I lived on my own. 
And of course, some people are still in that place. But rightly, this spirit-filled church in Acts were devoted to one another. And I wonder how might we show that devotion to one another. The fact is, it is harder in a larger church because it's so easy to feel missed. And that's why it's even more important, uh, possibly, to be part of something smaller, to connect with a smaller group of people. But actually, when we look at this passage, there's a reminder here that they were all devoted to one another. Not just a few. They were all devoted to one another. Now, of course, we could argue that life was simpler then. But I wonder whether that's a challenge for us. Maybe life has got just a little bit too complicated. Is there a way that we can simplify our lives? I know that is actually really challenging. We start looking at our diaries and think, well, that has to happen. That has to happen. How on earth am I going to simplify my life? But I wonder whether there are things that we could do. I'll just put that out there for you. But I just want to also add that the fact is that if you are a Christian, if you have faith in Jesus, then you have fellowship. You have koinonia with others. You don't earn it. (laughs) It's something that is yours by right because of what Jesus has done. We've already been reminded this morning that God is our Father. Earlier um, in the uh, letter of 1 John that um, Andy quoted earlier, we read this in verse 7 of chapter 1. But if we walk in the light and he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. We have fellowship with one another. Why? Well, because of the blood of Jesus, his son, which purifies us from sin. If you're a Christian, then you have koinonia with everybody around you. So how do we see Cornelia played out in this passage in Acts? Well, we read that all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And if you start thinking about those verses, they're actually quite challenging, aren't they, for our lives today? But what we can take from those verses is that being part of the Cornelia, part of the fellowship, means caring for the poor and the needy for those who are lonely, those who are isolated. It's interesting, I I recently read through Leviticus, just because why not, Um, and um, I saw in there this sort of striking importance of caring for those in need, caring for the foreigner, as they're described there. The importance of caring for each other, whoever we are and wherever we are from. And they're challenging verses in Acts 2 because it seems that, well, it looks like they sold everything um, and gave to those in need. Does that mean that we have to do that? Well, there's no sense that this was compulsory. It wasn't you must sell everything. But of course, they did it out of love. So having things wasn't forbidden because later it says they ate in their homes. So they had homes, they lived somewhere, so they still had things. But actually, we can look back into uh, the Gospels and see that this isn't a new concept. Jesus and his disciples, well, they shared a common purse. They shared things together. So these early uh, Christians, this early church, 
shared everything together. But of course, that only works when everyone is together in it. When there is a sense of unity by the Spirit. Because as soon as there's anything difficult or anything that brings tension, there are going to be complications. So it is a challenge for us. But there's things that we can learn from the early church in that, in how we care for one another. As I said, the meaning of koinonia is partly about generosity, generosity of ourselves, generosity of our time, generosity of our possessions, of our money. And of course, that means that we are all called to generosity to one another. How might that be for you? We're told in this passage that they sold property and possessions and gave to everyone in need. And I wonder how much do we hold on to the possessions that we don't need? And I, I believe the pandemic has taught us something about that, realizing what we do and don't need, but how quickly we have gone back to what it was like before. But maybe in this massively challenging time of the, the rise in the cost of living, maybe that helps us to refocus a bit. And so there's no doubt that this will look different for us in 2022. We are in a different time. But a challenge for us all is how can we be devoted to one another? How can you do that this week? How about sharing your spiritual gifts? How about encouraging someone this week? How about serving someone else or, or sharing something of the good things God has given you? And of course, this isn't just about our relationship with one another and being together physically. It's about our relationship together with the Father, with the Son, and with the Holy Spirit. Think of the words of the grace, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, we say. So we are in fellowship, koinonia, together with our God, who is three in one. Thirdly, then, there's a plane right ahead, isn't there? Overhead, isn't there? <clears throat> Hello. Uh, thirdly, then, um, um, we've thought about uh, being devoted to the word. We've thought about being devoted to one another. Thirdly, a spirit-filled church is devoted to worship the koinonia, the fellowship, was also seen in worshipping together as well as caring for each other. And actually, you can't have one without the other. Worship and worshipping with others is really important. So it wasn't that they just sang a couple of songs. They devoted themselves. They met daily, we're told, in the temple courts, the very place of worship. They met in their homes. They broke bread together being thankful for all that Jesus had done. They devoted themselves to prayer. They praised God. They were filled with awe. Now, I love worship. I love to worship. But so often I squash it into one aspect of what it means to worship. I give my all as I sing songs with others. But do I devote myself to worship in other ways? Do I see worship too much of an individual expression? Now, of course, there is a place for that. But it's also clear in this passage that worship is about worshipping corporately, together. 
It's about being with others, building each other up, praying together, eating together, sharing lives. That is all part of our worship. So maybe it'd be better rather than to separate worship and one another, but to see worship and fellowship as being part of the same thing. And what it shows us in this passage that worship was about all their lives. Every day they met in the temple courts. They also met in the homes. They devoted themselves. I wonder what that might look like for us. And of course, we read also that they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. They broke bread in their homes. And it's, it's worth just briefly explaining a little bit more about what it might have meant to break bread. Through the apostles' teaching, they would have known that Jesus had taught them to remember him at the meal table. It was more than just eating together. But as they broke bread, as they ate, they did so to remember Jesus. It's interesting in the NLT, the New Living Translation, verse 42 says it like this. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, in brackets, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. So they may have done something more formal at times, as we do, but it was a regular part of what they did. And maybe that's a challenge for us. And if you have your lunch today, uh, whether you sit down uh, with your household over a meal or whether you're on your own, recall what Jesus has done. Break bread or whatever it is you're eating and thank Jesus for his sacrifice. You could do it whenever you eat. When you say grace before your meal, remind yourselves of Jesus. Of course, that's a little bit of a challenge for us if we live on our own. Um, but I'm going to have a go at doing that myself. So maybe we should keep each other accountable in that. It is, of course, part of our worship. And the good thing is that today we're having communion. So we're doing it on a more formal scale this morning, even though the bread has actually already been broken for us. But I'd just like to say, actually, this is the first time I will have presided at communion and given out wine for over two years because we weren't doing it where I've come from. So actually, today is a really special day for me and how I have missed it. And it will be really special later. Finally then, and I'm aware of time, so I'm going to do this very briefly. Finally then, a spirit-filled church is devoted to witness, or to witnessing, as I put there. The fact is, this church didn't keep Jesus to themselves. Just as much they were devoted to the word, to one another, and to worship, they were devoted to witnessing. Mainly, I'm sure, because they were devoted to the other three. And when you see something, someone or some people devoted to something and to one another, you want what they've got, don't you? So you can imagine if these people met together every day in the temple, there'd have been people thinking... I want what they've got. I want to be part of that. And we see it because we see that the Lord added to their number every day. They saw it daily. They were meeting out in public. People saw them. And we're told in this passage that they enjoyed the favor of all the people. Interestingly, in the message version, it says, people in general liked what they saw. <laughs> I wonder, do people like what they see in us? It's a challenge. But remember that it was the Lord who did it. They didn't have specialist evangelists 
They weren't leaving it to a few particular people. Although there will, of course, been, have been those people who had a particular gift in evangelism. But it was the Lord who added to their number daily. And I'm sure a lot of that was because of their devotion. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be amazing if the Lord added to our number daily? It's not about us getting bigger and bigger. It's about people coming to know Jesus. And of course, if we look around the world, we know that there are places where the Lord is doing just that. What if that were the case here? What if that were the case in Leamington, in this diocese, in this country? Wouldn't that be incredible? We are now a mission hub. And I was at a meeting this week about it, and it was really exciting to hear what God is doing around our diocese. So let's pray that in our devotion to one another, in our devotion to God's word, in our devotion to worship, that we are also devoted to witnessing and that many people will come to know Jesus through us. I do believe there is a call for us, whoever we are, to become more devoted to God, to one another, to worship, to the word, to witnessing. And the final thing to say is, the reason that we can be devoted to God and to one another is because God is totally devoted to us. He is completely devoted to you. Those words from 1 John 3 again. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. That is what we are. God is completely devoted to you. Let's pray. I want to encourage you, if you're uh, willing to, to stand, we've been sat down for a little while, um, as we uh, give this time briefly to the Lord. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you that you are devoted to us, that you love us, that you have lavished your love on us as our Father. And we're sorry for the times when we haven't been as devoted to you and to one another as we could be. <coughs> Father God, we ask that you, by your spirit, would equip us, would inspire us to grow in our devotion to your word, to one another, to our worship of you that many will come to know you through us. And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to remain standing as we uh, sing our next song together, words based on Psalm 62.
trust in God alone, my rock and my salvation, a fortress strong against my foes, and I will not be shaken. Though lips may bless and hearts may curse, and lies like arrows pierce me, on righteousness I'll look to Him who heals me Oh, praise Him Hallelujah My delight and my reward Everlasting Never failing My Redeemer soul in God alone amid the world's temptation when evil seeks to take a hold 